Section 19 of The Life of Abraham Lincoln, Volume 2, by Ida Tarbell. The LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Appendix. Part 2. Letters, Telegrams, and Speeches, January 1837 to March 1845. Speech by Abraham Lincoln before the Illinois Legislature in January 1837. In the House of Representatives, upon the resolution offered by Mr. Linder to institute an inquiry into the management of the affairs of the State Bank. Mr. Chairman, lest I fall into the too common error of being mistaken in regard to which side I design to be upon, I shall make it my first care to remove all doubt on that point by declaring that I am opposed to the resolution under consideration in toto before i proceed to the body of the subject i will further remark that it is not without a considerable degree of appreciation that i venture to cross the track of the gentleman from coles mr linder indeed i do not believe i could muster a sufficiency of courage to come in contact with that gentleman were it not for the fact that he some days since most graciously condescended to assure us that he would never be found wasting ammunition on small game on the same fortunate occasion, he further gave us to understand that he regarded himself as being decidedly the superior of our common friend from Randolph, Mr. Shields, and feeling, as I really do, that I, to say the most of myself, am nothing more than the peer of our friend from Randolph, I shall regard the gentleman from Coles as decidedly my superior also and consequently, in the course of what I shall have to say, whenever I shall have occasion to allude to that gentleman, I shall endeavor to adopt that kind of court language which I understand to be due to decided superiority. In one faculty, at least, there can be no dispute of the gentleman's superiority over me, and most other men, and that is, the faculty of entangling a subject so that neither himself or any other man can find head or tail to it, here he has introduced a resolution embracing ninety-nine printed lines across common writing-paper and yet more than one-half of his opening speech has been made upon subjects about which there is not one word said in his resolution though his resolution embraces nothing in regard to the constitutionality of the bank much of what he has said has been with a view to make the impression that it was unconstitutional in its inception now although i am satisfied that an ample field may be found within the pale of the resolution at least for small game yet as the gentleman has travelled out of it i feel that i may with all due humility venture to follow him the gentleman has discovered that some gentleman at washington city has been upon the very eve of deciding our bank unconstitutional and that he would probably have completed his very authentic decision had not some one of the bank officers placed his hand upon his mouth and begged him to withhold it the fact that the individuals composing our supreme court have in an official capacity decided in favor of the constitutionality of the bank would in my mind seem a sufficient answer to this it is a fact known to all that the members of the supreme court together with the governor form a council of revision and that this council approved this bank charter i ask then if the extrajudicial decision not quite but almost made by the gentleman at washington 
before whom by the way the question of the constitutionality of our bank never has nor never can come is to be taken as paramount to a decision officially made by that tribunal by which and which alone the constitutionality of the bank can never be settled but aside from this view of the subject i would ask if the committee which this resolution proposes to appoint are to examine into the constitutionality of the bank are they to be clothed with power to send for persons and papers for this object and after they have found the bank to be unconstitutional and decided it so how are they to enforce their decision what will their decision amount to they cannot compel the bank to cease operations or to change the course of its operations what good then can their labors result in certainly none the gentleman asks if we without an examination shall by giving the state deposits to the bank and by taking the stock reserved for the state legalize its former misconduct now i do not pretend to possess the sufficient legal knowledge to decide whether a legislative enactment proposing to and accepting from the bank certain terms which would have the effect to legalize or wipe out its former errors or not but i can assure the gentleman if such should be the effect he has already got behind the settlement of accounts for it is very well known to all that the legislature at its last session passed a supplemental bank charter which the bank has since accepted and which according to his doctrine has legalized all the alleged violations of its original charter in the distribution of its stock i now proceed to the resolution by examination it will be found that the first thirty-three lines being precisely one-third of the whole relate exclusively to the distribution of the stock by the commissioners appointed by the state now sir it is clear that no question can arise on this portion of the resolution except a question between capitalists in regard to the ownership of stock some gentlemen have their stock in their hands while others who have more money than they know what to do with want it and this and this alone is the question to settle which we are called on to squander thousands of the people's money what interest let me ask have the people in the settlement of this question what difference is it to them whether the stock is owned by judge smith or sam wiggins if any gentleman be entitled to stock in the bank which he is kept out of possession of by others let him assert his right in the supreme court and let him or his antagonist whichever may be found in the wrong pay the costs of suit it is an old maxim and a very sound one that he that dances should always pay the fiddler now sir in the present case if any gentleman whose money is a burden to them choose to lead off a dance i am decidedly opposed to the people's money being used to pay the fiddler no one can doubt that the examination proposed by this resolution must cost the state some ten or twelve thousand dollars and all this to settle a question in which the people have no interest and about which they care nothing these capitalists generally act harmoniously and in concert to fleece the people and now that they have got into a quarrel with themselves we are called upon to appropriate the people's money to settle the quarrel i leave this part of the resolution and proceed to the remainder it will be found that no charge in the remaining part of the resolution if true amounts to the violation of the bank charter except one which i will notice in due time 
it might seem quite sufficient to say no more upon any of these charges or insinuations than enough to show they are not violations of the charter yet as they are ingeniously framed and handled with a view to deceive and mislead i will notice in their order all the most prominent of them the first of these is in relation to a connection between our bank and several banking institutions in other states admitting this connection to exist i should like to see the gentleman from coles or any other gentleman undertake to show that there is any harm in it what can there be in such a connection that the people of illinois are willing to pay their money to get a peep into by a reference to the tenth section of the bank charter any gentleman can see that the framers of the act contemplated the holding of stock in the institutions of other corporations why then is it when neither law nor justice forbids it that we are asked to spend out time and money in inquiring into its truth the next charge in the order of time is that some officer director clerk or servant of the bank has been required to take an oath of secrecy in relation to the affairs of said bank now i do not know whether this be true or false neither do i believe any honest man cares i know that the seventh section of the charter expressly guarantees to the bank the right of making under certain restrictions such by-laws as it may think fit and i further know that the requiring an oath of secrecy would not transcend those restrictions what then if the bank has chosen to exercise this right who can it injure does not every merchant have his secret mark and who is ever silly enough to complain of it i presume if the bank does require any such oath of secrecy it is done through a motive of delicacy to those individuals who deal with it why sir not many days since one gentleman upon this floor who by the way i have no doubt is now ready to join this hue and cry against the bank indulged in a philippic against one of the bank officials because as he said he had divulged a secret immediately following this last charge there are several insinuations in the resolution which are too silly to require any sort of notice were it not for the fact that they conclude by saying to the great injury of the people at large in answer to this i would say that it is strange enough that the people are suffering these great injuries and yet are not sensible of it singular indeed that the people should be writhing under oppression and injury and yet not one among them to be found to raise the voice of complaint if the bank be inflicting injury upon the people why is it that not a single petition is presented to this body on the subject if the bank really be a grievance why is it that no one of the real people is found to ask redress of it the truth is no such oppression exists if it did our people would groan with memorials and petitions and we would not be permitted to rest day or night till we had put it down the people know their rights and they are never slow to assert and maintain them when they are invaded let them call for an investigation and i shall ever stand ready to respond to the call but they have made no such call i make the assertion boldly and without fear of contradiction that no man who does not hold an office or does not aspire to one has ever found any fault of the bank it has doubled the prices of the products of their farms and filled their pockets with a sound circulating medium and they are all well pleased with its operations 
no sir it is the politician who is the first to sound the alarm which by the way is a false one it is he who by these unholy means is endeavouring to blow up a storm that he may ride upon and direct it is he and he alone that here proposes to spend thousands of the people's public treasure for no other advantage to them than to make valueless in their pockets the reward of their industry mr chairman this work is exclusively the work of politicians a set of men who have interests aside from the interests of the people and who to say the most of them are taken as a mass at least one long step removed from honest men i say this with the greater freedom because being a politician myself none can regard it as personal again it is charged or rather insinuated that officers of the bank have loaned money at usurious rates of interest suppose this to be true are we to send a committee of this house to inquire into it suppose the committee should find it true can they redress the injured individuals assuredly not if any individuals had been injured in this way is there not an ample remedy to be found in the laws of the land does the gentleman from coles know that there is a statute standing in full force making it highly penal for an individual to loan money at a higher rate of interest than twelve per cent if he does not he is too ignorant to be placed at the head of the committee which his resolution proposes and if he does his neglect to mention it allows him to be too uncandid to merit the respect or confidence of any one but besides all this if the bank were struck from existence could not the owners of the capital still loan it usuriously as well as now whatever the bank or its officers may have done i know that usurious transactions were much more frequent and enormous before the commencement of its operations than they have been ever since the next insinuation is that the bank has refused specie payments this if true is a violation of the charter but there is not the least probability of its truth because if such had been the fact the individual to whom payment was refused would have had an interest in making it public by suing for the damages to which the charter entitles him yet no such thing has been done and the strong presumption is that the insinuation is false and groundless from this to the end of the resolution there is nothing that merits attention i therefore drop the particular examination of it by a general view of the resolution it will be seen that a principal object of the committee is to examine into and ferret out a mass of corruption supposed to have been committed by the commissioners who apportioned the stock of the bank i believe it is universally understood and acknowledged that all men will ever act correctly unless they have a motive to do otherwise if this be true we can only suppose that the commissioners acted corruptly by also supposing that they were bribed to do so taking this view of the subject i would ask if the bank is likely to find it more difficult to bribe the committee of seven which we are about to appoint than it may have found it to bribe the commissioners here mr linder called to order the chair decided that mr lincoln was not out of order mr linder appealed to the house but before the question was put withdrew his appeal saying he preferred to let the gentleman go on he thought he would break his own neck mr lincoln proceeded another gracious condescension i acknowledge it with gratitude i know i was not out of order and i know every sensible man in the house knows it 
i was not saying that the gentleman from coles could not be bribed nor on the other hand will i say he could not in that particular i leave him where i found him i was only endeavouring to show that there was at least as great a probability of any seven members that could be selected from this house being bribed to act corruptly as there was that the twenty-four commissioners had been so bribed by a reference to the ninth section of the bank charter it will be seen that those commissioners were john tilson robert k mclaughlin daniel wan a g s white john c riley w h davidson edward m wilson edward l pearson robert r green ezra baker aquila wren john taylor samuel c christie edmund roberts benjamin godfrey thomas mather a m jenkins w lynn w s gilman charles prentice richard i hamilton a h buckner w f thornton and edmund d taylor these are twenty-four of the most respectable men in the state probably no twenty-four men could be selected in the state with whom the people are better acquainted or in whose honor and integrity they would more readily place confidence and i now repeat that there is less probability that those men have been bribed and corrupted than that any seven men or rather six men that could have been selected from the members of this house might be so bribed and corrupted even though they were headed and led on by decided superiority himself in all seriousness i ask every reasonable man if an issue be joined by these twenty-four commissioners on the one part and any other seven men on the other part and the whole depend upon the honor and integrity of the contending parties to which party would the greatest degree of credit be due again another consideration is that we have no right to make the examination what i shall say upon this head i design exclusively for the law-loving and law-abiding part of the house to those who claim omnipotence for the legislature and who in the plentitude of their assumed powers are disposed to disregard the constitution law good faith moral right and everything else i have not a word to say but to the law-abiding part i say examine the bank charter go examine the constitution go examine the acts that the general assembly of this state has passed and you will find just as much authority given in each and every of them to compel the bank to bring its coffers to this hall and to pour their contents upon this floor as to compel it to submit to this examination which this resolution proposes why sir the gentleman from coles the mover of this resolution very lately denied on this floor that the legislature had any right to repeal or otherwise meddle with its own acts when those acts were made in the nature of contracts and had been accepted and acted on by other parties now i ask if this resolution does not propose for this house alone to do what he but the other day denied the right of the whole legislature to do he must either abandon the position he then took or he must now vote against his own resolution it makes no difference to me and i presume but little to any one else which he does i am by no means the special advocate of the bank i have long thought that it would be well for it to report its condition to the general assembly and that cases might occur when it might be proper to make an examination of its affairs by a committee 
accordingly during the last session while a bill supplemental to the bank charter was pending before the house i offered an amendment to the same in these words the said corporation shall at the next session of the general assembly and at each subsequent general session during the existence of its charter report to the same the amount of debts due from said corporation the amount of debts due to the same the amount of specie in its vaults and an account of all lands then owned by the same and the amount for which such lands have been taken and moreover if said corporation shall at any time neglect or refuse to submit its books papers and all and everything necessary for a full and fair examination of its affairs to any person or persons appointed by the general assembly for the purpose of making such examination the said corporation shall forfeit its charter this amendment was negatived by a vote of thirty-four to fifteen eleven of the thirty-four who voted against it are now members of this house and though it would be out of order to call their names i hope they will all recollect themselves and not vote for this examination to be made without authority inasmuch as they refused to receive the authority when it was in their power to do so i have said that cases might occur when an examination might be proper but i do not believe any such case has now occurred and if it has I should still be opposed to making an examination without legal authority. I am opposed to encouraging that lawlessness and mobocratic spirit, whether in relation to the bank or anything else, which is already abroad in the land, and is spreading with rapid and fearful impetuosity to the ultimate overthrow of every institution, of even moral principle, in which persons and property have hitherto found security. But supposing we had the authority i would ask what good can result from the examination can we declare the bank unconstitutional and compel it to desist from the abuses of its power providing we find such abuses to exist can we repair the injuries which it may have done to individuals most certainly we can do none of these things why then shall we spend the public money in such employment oh say the examiners we can injure the credit of the bank if nothing else please tell me gentlemen who will suffer most by that you cannot injure to any extent the stockholders they are men of wealth of large capital and consequently beyond the power of malice but by injuring the credit of the bank you will depreciate the value of its paper in the hands of the honest and unsuspecting farmer and mechanic and that is all you can do but suppose you could effect your whole purpose suppose you could wipe the bank from existence which is the grand ultimatum of the project what would be the consequence why sir we should spend several thousand dollars of the public treasure in the operation annihilate the currency of the state render valueless in the hands of our people that reward of their former labors and finally be once more under the comfortable obligation of paying the wiggins loan principal and interest the foregoing speech is found in the Sangamon Journal of January 28, 1837. It was copied by the journal from the Vandalia Free Press. Springfield, June 11, 1839. Dear Rao, Mr. Redman informs me that you wish me to write you the particulars of a conversation between Dr. Felix and myself relative to you. The doctor overtook me between Rushville and Beardstown 
he after learning that i had lived at springfield asked if i was acquainted with you i told him i was he said you had lately been elected constable in adams but that you never would be again i asked him why he said the people there had found out that you had been sheriff or deputy sheriff in sangamon county and that you came off and left your securities to suffer he then asked me if i did not know such to be the fact i told him i did not think you had ever been sheriff or deputy sheriff in sangamon but that i thought you had been constable i further told him that if you had left your securities to suffer in that or any other case i had never heard of it and that if it had been so i thought i would have heard of it if the doctor is telling you that i told him anything against you whatever i authorize you to contradict it flatly we have no news here your friend is ever a lincoln original owned by c f gunther chicago illinois springfield illinois february sixteenth eighteen forty two g b shelledy esq yours of the tenth is duly received judge logan and myself are doing business together now and we are willing to attend to your cases as you propose as to the terms we are willing to attend each case you prepare and send us for ten dollars when there shall be no opposition to be sent in advance or you to know that it is safe it takes five dollars seventy five cents of cost to start upon that is a dollar seventy five to clerk and two dollars to each of two publishers of papers judge logan thinks it will take the balance of twenty dollars to carry a case through this must be advanced from time to time as the services are performed as the officers will not act without i do not know whether you can be admitted an attorney of the federal court in your absence or not nor is it material as the business can be done in our names thinking it may aid you a little i send you one of our blank forms of petitions it you will see is framed to be sworn to before the federal court clerk and in your cases will have to be so far changed as to be sworn to before the clerk of your circuit court and his certificate must be accompanied with his official seal the schedules too must be attended to be sure that they contain the creditors names their residences the amounts due each the debtors names their residences and the amounts they owe also all property and where located also be sure that the schedules are signed by the applicants as well as the petition publication will have to be made here in one paper and in one nearest the residence of the applicant write us in each case where the last advertisement is to be sent whether to you or to what paper i believe i have now said everything that can be of any advantage your friend is ever a lincoln original owned by historical department of iowa loaned by the honorable charles aldrich curator des moines iowa february twenty second eighteen forty two to george e pickett i never encourage deceit and falsehood especially if you have got a bad memory which is the worst enemy a fellow can have the fact is truth is your truest friend no matter what the circumstances are notwithstanding this copy-book preamble my boy i am inclined to suggest a little prudence on your part you see i have a congenital aversion to failure and the sudden announcement to your uncle andrew of the success of your lamp-rubbing might possibly prevent your passing the severe physical examination to which you will be subjected in order to enter the military academy you see i should like to have a perfect soldier credited to dear old illinois no broken bones scalp wounds etc 
so I think perhaps it might be wise to hand this letter from me into your good uncle through his room window after he has had a comfortable dinner and watch its effect from the top of the pigeon house. I have just told the folks here in Springfield on this 111th anniversary of the birth of him whose name, mightiest in the cause of civil liberty, still mightiest in the cause of moral reformation, we mention in solemn awe, in naked, deathless splendor, that the one victory we can ever call complete will be that one which proclaims that there is not one slave or one drunkard on the face of God's green earth. Recruit for this victory now boy on your march don't you go and forget the old maxim that one drop of honey catches more flies than a half gallon of gall load your musket with this maxim and smoke it in your pipe original owned by la salle corbel pickett extracts published in pickett and his men springfield august fifteenth eighteen forty two friend walker Enclosed, you have an order of court allowing your assignee to sell your property on a credit. Nothing is said in it about allowing your creditors pay for what they may purchase without money. We, however, think this is a matter of no consequence, as it will be a matter of course to take their bonds and security, as of other purchasers, and then, in the final settlement, to set off their dividends against those bonds in whole or as far as they will go. Yours, etc., Logan and Lincoln original owned by J. H. Franklin, Lakin, Illinois. John Bennett, Springfield, March 7, 1843. Friend Bennett, your letter of this day was handed me by Mr. Miles. It is too late now to effect the object you desire. On yesterday morning, the most of the Whig members from this district got together and agreed to hold the convention at Tremont in Tazewell County. I am sorry to hear that any of the Whigs of your county, or indeed of any county, should longer be against conventions. On last Wednesday evening, a meeting of all the Whigs then here from all parts of the state was held, and the question of the propriety of conventions was brought up and fully discussed, and at the end of the discussion, a resolution recommending the system of conventions to all the Whigs of the state was unanimously adopted. Other resolutions were also passed, all of which will appear in the next journal. The meeting also appointed a committee to draft an address to the people of the state, which address will also appear in the next journal. In it you will find a brief argument in favor of conventions, and although I wrote it myself, I will say to you that it is conclusive upon the point, and cannot be reasonably answered. The right way for you to do is to hold your meeting and appoint delegates anyhow and if there be any who will not take part, let it be so. The matter will work so well this time that even they who now oppose will come in next time. The convention is to be held at Tremont on the 5th of April, and according to the rule we have adopted, your county is to have delegates, being double the number of your representation. If there be any good Whig who is disposed to stick out against conventions, get him at least to read the argument in their favor in the address yours as ever original owned by e b elchin petersburg illinois springfield may eleventh eighteen forty three friend hardin butler informs me that he received a letter from you in which you expressed some doubt whether the whigs of sangamon will support you cordially you may at once dismiss all fears on that subject 
we have already resolved to make a particular effort to give you the very largest majority possible in our country from this no wig of the county dissents we have many objects for doing it we make it a matter of honor and pride to do it we do it because we love the whig cause we do it because we like you personally and last we wish to convince you that we do not bear that hatred to morgan county that you people have so long seemed to imagine you will see by the journal of this week that we propose upon pain of losing a barbecue to give you twice as great a majority in this county as you shall receive in your own i got up the proposal who of the five appointed is to write the district address i did the labor of writing one address this year and got thunder for my reward nothing new here yours as ever a lincoln p s i wish you would measure one of the largest of those swords we took to alton and write me the length of it from tip of the point to tip of the hilt in feet and inches i have a dispute about the length a l original owned by ellen hardin walworth new york city this memorandum witnesseth that charles dresser and abraham lincoln of springfield illinois have contracted with each other as follows the said dresser is to convey to or procure to be conveyed to said lincoln by a clear title and fee simple the entire premises ground and improvements in springfield on which said dresser now resides and give him possession of said premises on or before the first day of april next for which said lincoln at or before the same day is to pay said dresser twelve hundred dollars or what said dresser shall then at his option accept as equivalent thereto and also to procure to be conveyed to said dresser by a clear title and fee simple the entire premises ground and building in springfield on the block immediately west of the public square the building on which is now occupied by h a howe as a shop being the same premises sometimes since conveyed by n w edwards and wife to said lincoln and stephen t logan said dresser takes upon himself to arrange with said howe for the possession of said shop and premises charles dressup a lincoln january sixteenth eighteen forty four signed duplicates original on file in springfield illinois springfield may twenty first eighteen forty four dear hardin knowing that you have correspondence enough i have forborne to trouble you heretofore and i now only do so to get you to set a matter right which has got wrong with one of our best friends it is old uncle thomas campbell of spring creek berlin p o he has received several documents from you and he says they are old newspapers and documents having no sort of interest in them he is therefore getting a strong impression that you treat him with disrespect this i know is a mistaken impression and you must correct it the way i leave to yourself robert w canfield says he would like to have a document or two from you the locos here are in considerable trouble about van buren's letter on texas and the virginia electors they are growing sick of the tariff question and consequently are much confounded at v b s cutting them off from the new texas question nearly half the leaders swear they won't stand for it of those are ford t campbell ewing calhoun and others they don't exactly say they won't vote for v b but they say he will not be the candidate and that they are for texas anyhow as ever yours a lincoln original owned by ellen harden walworth new york city 
to general john j hardin springfield january nineteenth eighteen forty five dear general i do not wish to join in your proposal of a new plan for the selection of a whig candidate for congress because first i am entirely satisfied with the old system under which you and baker were successively nominated and elected to congress and because the whigs of the district are well acquainted with the system and so far as i know or believe are well satisfied with it if the old system be thought to be vague as to all the delegates of the county voting the same way or as to instructions to them as to whom they are to vote for or as to filling vacancies i am willing to join in a provision to make these matters certain second as to your proposals that a poll shall be opened in every precinct and that the whole shall take place on the same day i do not personally object they seem to me to be not unfair and i forbear to join in proposing them only because i choose to leave the decision in each county to the wicks of the county to be made as their own judgment and convenience may dictate third as to your proposed stipulation that all the candidates shall remain in their own counties and restrain their friends in the same it seems to me that on reflection you will see the fact of your having been in congress has in various ways so spread your name in the district as to give you a decided advantage in such a stipulation i appreciate your desire to keep down excitement and i promise you keep cool under all circumstances fourth i have already said i am satisfied with the old system under which such good men have triumphed and that i desire no departure from its principles but if there must be a departure from it i shall insist upon a more accurate and just apportionment of delegates or representative votes to the constituent body than exists by the old and which you propose to retain in your new plan if we take the entire population of the counties as shown by the late census we shall see by the old plan and by your proposed new plan morgan county with a population of sixteen thousand five hundred forty one has but eight votes while sangamon with eighteen thousand six hundred ninety seven two thousand one hundred fifty six greater has but eight votes so scott with six thousand five hundred fifty three has four votes while tazewell with seven thousand six hundred fifteen has one thousand sixty two greater has but four votes so mason with three thousand one hundred thirty five has one vote while logan with three thousand nine hundred seven seven hundred seventy two greater has but one vote and so on in a less degree the matter runs through all the counties being not only wrong in principle but the advantage of it being all manifestly in your favor with one slight exception in the comparison of two counties not here mentioned again if we take the whig votes of the counties as shown by the late presidential election as a basis the thing is still worse take a comparison of the same six counties morgan with her fourteen hundred forty three whig votes has eight votes sangamon with her eighteen hundred thirty seven three hundred ninety four greater only has eight votes mason with her two hundred fifty five has one vote logan with her three hundred ten fifty five greater has only one vote scott with her six hundred seventy has four votes tazewell with her one thousand eleven three forty one greater has only four votes it seems to me most obvious that the old system needs adjustment in nothing so much as in this and still by your proposal no notice is taken of it 
i have always been in the habit of acceding to almost any proposal that a friend would make and i am truly sorry that i cannot in this i perhaps ought to mention that some friends at different places are endeavouring to secure the honour of the sitting of the convention at their towns respectively and i fear that they would not feel much complimented if we shall make a bargain that it should sit nowhere yours as ever a lincoln copied from the sangamon journal for february twenty sixth eighteen forty six springfield march first eighteen forty five friend williams the supreme court adjourned this morning for the term your cases of reinhardt versus schuyler bunce versus schuyler Dickhut versus Donnell and Sullivan versus Andrews are continued. Hinman versus Pope I wrote you concerning some time ago. McNutt et al. versus Bean and Thompson is reversed and remanded. Fitzpatrick versus Brady et al. is reversed and remanded, with leave to complainant to amend his bill so as to show the real consideration given for the land. Bunce against Graves the court confirmed wherefore in accordance with your directions i move to have the case remanded to enable you to take a new trial in the court below the court allowed the motion of which i am glad and i guess you are this i believe is all to court business the canal men have got their measure through the legislature pretty much or quite in the shape they desired nothing else now yours as ever a lincoln original owned by mrs a j morton washington d c End of section 19.